Welcome back to another episode of the Shack Sports Talk Podcast. Today, we have a jam-packed episode here for you guys today on this Sunday afternoon. We just finished up watching Lakers-Grizzlies. We're going to be talking about that game. We're going to be talking about three games here today on, on the Shack Sports Talk Podcast. Uh, first game I want to talk about is Knicks-Cavs. That game went down to the wire on Saturday. Knicks came out with the 107 uh, 101-97 victory over Cleveland to take game one in Cleveland. We're going to talk about that game and my takeaways from that game number one. And then the second game we're going to talk about is Warriors at Kings. Kings got the win. Uh, De'Aaron Fox was incredible. Had a 40 bomb on the Warriors. And... The Kings go up 1-0 in the series. They took their first home game uh, of the series, and that crowd was electric. We'll talk about the Kings-Warriors. And then the last game we're going to talk about is the game I just finished up watching, Lakers-Grizzlies. Uh, that was a great game, to be honest with you. AD went down at the half, came back in, and dominated. The Grizzlies have no answer for Anthony Davis, as I told you guys on Thursday. They have no answer for Anthony Davis. John Morant went down with a hand injury, and he's... Uh, his status in game two is in jeopardy, as they say. He may or may not play. Again, they got until Wednesday to figure that out, so there's a whole long way to go. Uh, we're going to break down all these games for you guys today right here on the Shaq Sports Talk podcast. So make sure you guys are checking out the Twitter. I was uh, I was tweeting a lot uh, this weekend, so make sure you guys go check out the Twitter. It's uh, you know if I'm not podca- if I'm on the podcast, that's where I'm usually giving out my thoughts and stuff. It's on Twitter. Um, so. I don't want to waste any more time because we got a lot of hoops to talk about here. So I don't want to waste any more time. Without further ado, let's get right into it. Okay, so the first game we're start off with is Knicks Cavs. Uh, this game was extremely fun to watch. Uh, the first two games on Saturday sucked. Sixers Nets sucked. First half was good. Second half was terrible. Uh, Celtics. Hawks was boring to watch. This game was extremely entertaining. Uh, with the whole Donovan Mitchell aspect to it, with the Knicks, it was actually a very fun game. Uh, the game started off with, you know, kind of like a back and forth game, but the Knicks, I thought, really had control to start the game. Uh, the only issue was that the reason they didn't run them out of the gym to start the game was because Jalen Brunson got into foul trouble. Uh, the Knicks had a really good first quarter, and... A really good second quarter, but Cleveland won that quarter by one. They won that quarter 21-20. to In the third quarter, Jalen Brunson got going. He got going. Uh, Knicks won that quarter by three. And then in the fourth quarter, Cleveland won that quarter in the fourth quarter by four. And the Knicks held on 101-97. Let's talk about it. Um, to be honest with you, I was extremely impressed by the New York Knicks in this game. Uh, R.J. Barrett was horrendous in this game, but we're going to come back and talk about that. Um... I want to talk about Jalen Brunson. So, you know, we we talked about this on the podcast last time when we were doing this whole playoff preview with our predictions and stuff. The big narrative around Brunson, like, this whole season has been very interesting to me. You know, people think he's, like, really good, but then, like, they never put him in, like... Like, you never hear him in arguments of, like, is he better than this guy? Is he better than this guy? You don't hear it. You don't hear that with him. You you just know, yeah, he's a really good player. You don't hear, like, the comparisons of, like, you know, is he better than Trey Young? Is he, you know, is he better than, like, some of these other point guards? Chris Paul, I'm just throwing out names. Like, I'm not saying he's better than those guys. I'm just throwing out names for an example. Um, is he better than Darius Garland? Like, you, you don't hear him, like, it, it's, it's weird. Because most guys, especially in, like, a market like New York... 
like it happens to Julius Randle all the time. Like he gets thrown around and compared to like, is he better than Bam? Is he better than Mobley? Like he gets that, but Brunson. For some reason, he's never compared to like guys around the league. So it's like it's very interesting watching him because it's like, no, like you don't know where he ranks because nobody like nobody's like, oh yeah, Jalen Brunson, best point guard in basketball. No one says that. You know, obviously we know Curry and Dame are you know like miles ahead of him, but he's a damn good player. Brunson got into foul trouble early. He got like two quick fouls, and the one was total BS under the basket. Coro throws his head back, and obviously you know can't touch anyone nowadays in the NBA, so he's going to get called for a foul. He gets two quick ones, and then he got a third in the second quarter, and Tibbs never went back to him to the entire game. Second half, he was totally okay. But I want to talk about the Cavs, because, like, to me, I think Cleveland, to be honest with you, Knicks played great, don't get me wrong, but Cleveland lost this game. Cleveland lost it, in my opinion. Donald Mitchell is great, and he's probably going to do this the entire series. He's probably going to average 30 points in the series. So for all the Knicks fans that said... We need to stop Donovan Mitchell. That ain't happening. You can contain him like they did in the second half. He shot 7-15 to 15 in the second half from the field. He shot like 45% from the field. That's great. That's great. He shot like 1-3 of three from uh three-point line. That's great. Good job. Keep that up. Um, but with, the, with Cleveland, I think they really lost this game. Darius Garland was good in the first half, not great in the second half. He was non-existent. And I don't think it's his fault necessarily of why he was non-existent. He was non-existent because this is on J.D. Bickerstaff. I thought that he went to a lot of ISO approach with Donovan Mitchell. He's riding the hot hand, and, you know, that gets you so far. And it's it, they look very similar to uh, that old Jazz team. Uh, Mobley, uh, Mobley and Allen, Okoro, Garland. Like, that core is okay. But, man, they, they have some issues. Like, they don't have a spot-up shooter. They don't have a spot-up shooter. Uh, yeah, Seti Osman went 2 of 3 from downtown, but really, they didn't really shoot well from the three-point line. They only shot 32% from the field and 43% from the field. 32% from three and 43% from the field on 70% from the foul line. That can't happen. Uh, their foul shots, some like they were 15 out of 21 from the foul line, and like their best guys are missing foul shots, like Donovan and Garland. I mean, these guys are missing foul shots. Donovan Mitchell is going to be gassed by the end of the series because he's playing. He's gonna be playing forty plus minutes a game, like in in this series. And I'm telling you this now. This is going seven games. I truly believe it. I'm not saying the Knicks are gonna roll over Cleveland because Cleveland's gonna come out next game and they're gonna like they're gonna play like a do or, do or die game because if they go down two zero heading back to the Garden, very scary for Cleveland. Um, but I thought a lot of the stuff with Cleveland was surprising, like. They couldn't grab a rebound. The Knicks, look, the Knicks are a good rebounding team, but if you have Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, you should not be getting out-rebounded 51-38. to That's inexcusable stuff. That can't happen. If you are going to win this series, you can't get out-rebounded 51-38. to That's unacceptable, and that has to be addressed. That's number one, and that is so easy because what happened with those 13 rebounds was it led to 23 second-chance points compared to the Cavs' 12. Do the math. Uh, like, it's 11, it's 11 point difference, and 11-point difference in the second-chance points, and 11, it's 13 with the rebounds. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's stuff like that. Stuff like that loses you games, and not only games, it loses you playoff series. That can't happen. Uh, the big issue here... And really, it has nothing to do with their offense. Um, 
Cleveland's ranked number one in defensive rating, and the Knicks are ranked fourth in offensive rating, okay? That was a big topic of discussion when we were talking about this, and not just me, by other people doing these playoff previews. You know, number one defense, number one defense. They didn't look like a number one defense. They don't have a guy, Cleveland, does not have a guy who can guard Jalen Brunson this entire series. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. They don't have a guy who can guard Jalen Brunson. Isaac Okoro could not guard Jalen Brunson. And his defense on him wasn't terrible, but he was still he was still getting his shots, still getting what he wanted when he was on the floor. The issue was, like, Okoro wasn't even playing great defense. They couldn't even keep him on the floor because he was 1 of 6 from the field and 0 of 4 from 3. And it was so bad to watch as a, as like a, as a spectator of this. Like, he, he was unplayable. He was unplayable. You couldn't play him. Uh, they tried Karis LeVert on him, and that didn't work. And he had a really bad game. And Hull have one of these games where he goes off, and he has a super efficient shooting night off the bench. And it'll, it'll, it'll win them a game for it. But, you know, they don't have a guy who can guard him. Rubio can't guard him. Osman can't guard him. They had uh, Wade try to guard Julius Randle in the first quarter when Randle was on. Was on. Randle was on in the first quarter. First half, he was on. Knocking down threes, playing great defense. He got a little physical with Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen. I like it. I have no issue with that. That's playoff basketball. Uh, they got to get physical, right? I mean, you. and one of the things that you're seeing from this team is that they're not rattled. Uh, Donovan Mitchell puts that layup in to go up one. And you're saying to yourself, as a Knicks fan, these Knicks teams, these Knicks teams that we've been rooting for for our entire lives, they're not winning this game. Knicks are done. Nope. Josh Hart responds with a three. Jalen Brunson responds with two big shots. Puts the Knicks over the top on Cleveland in game one. It was, to be honest with you, like, the UA Knicks would have never won that game. Melo's Knicks would have never won that game. Uh, this is a different Knicks team. And I don't know what it is. I think it's just, a, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I think it's the Villanova effect to it. Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart. I'm being completely honest with you. Those guys are tone setters uh, for the entire team. Like, Josh Hart played 33 minutes off the bench, and they still won this game with Emmanuel Quickly. Who? Who? Who's Emmanuel Quickly? I, I, I don't remember Emmanuel Quickly. This wasn't the Emmanuel Quickly we got in the regular season. Where was he tonight? Or yesterday? I mean, he did nothing, and he will bounce back. He will absolutely bounce back. He was so bad tonight, so bad, and Cleveland still couldn't capitalize. And the big thing that Cleveland's going to struggle with in this series is the lack of depth. And we talked, we touched on it earlier with Don Mitchell. I, I hinted at it when I said Don Mitchell played 44 minutes, Garland playing 43 minutes, Jared Allen playing 43 minutes, Mobley playing 38 minutes. That's not sustainable. That's not sustainable. And there are going to be games. And I'm telling you this. For game two, if I'm the Knicks, I'm telling RJ Barrett and saying, you are not shooting any threes. Attack the rim and go at Donovan Mitchell. Make him play defense. It's that simple. Make him go play defense. And it's going to be very interesting because game two, they can't roll a Coro out on Brunson. They can't because if RJ Barrett's going to attack Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell's going to have to play defense. And... That's one of the things that, you know, it's, it's it's so obvious. They don't want Mitchell and Garland playing any defense, right? And when they do get put into those isolation situations, they get messed up defensively. Messed up. Easy paint touch, and you get an easy floater in the lane or a kick out for a wide open shot. 
Quentin Grimes could not hit a shot tonight. He was tw- they, the Knicks as a team were 27, 27% from the three-point line. 27% from three. Uh, the Cavs actually shot better from the field and from three and yet still lost. Tells you a lot. The Cavs' lack of depth is going to be a big issue because they're going to run these guys huge minutes. Mobley's playing 40 minutes. Garland's playing 40 minutes. Mitchell's playing nearly 45 minutes. Um, if the Cavs are going to win this series, it's going to have to be off the guys off the bench. Mitchell's going to get his. Garland, he's going to score 20 points per game. Mobley, he's an X-Factor as well. We'll come back to that as well. LaVert's going to have to show up. Rubio's going to have to be a key contributor. Uh... Like Rubio literally didn't do anything on the on, like didn't do anything for the Cavs at all in his six minutes of time. Did nothing. Osman played big minutes down the stretch and could not guard Jalen Brunson. It's that simple. They couldn't guard Jalen Brunson when it mattered most, and that's going to be a big issue because if they can't guard Jalen Brunson, it's going to be a long series for them. I'm telling you this now. If they're going to win this series, they're gonna have to lock in defensively. They're the number one defensive team for a reason, right, guys? And a lot of this is, I think, that, you know, they're a great matchup for the Bucs. They're a great matchup for the 76ers. They could be a good matchup for, I would say, the Celtics because they can put a core on Brown and Mobley on Tatum. But they don't match up well with the Knicks. They don't. Um, they don't have a guy who can guard Jalen Brunson, and that's going to be a big issue. And I'm going to keep emphasizing that if they can't, if they don't have an answer for Jalen Brunson, it's going to be a long series. Jalen Brunson would have scored 40 points on Saturday night if it wasn't for him getting in foul trouble. He played nine minutes of 24 minutes possible in the first half. Nine minutes. I'm telling you this now, it's going to be a long series for them if they can't get it together guarding Jalen Brunson. And more people, and this is my last thing, and we will move on to the Warriors, more people have to get involved offensively outside of Donovan Mitchell. Garland's going to have to be more involved offensively. Jared Allen's going to have to be involved more offensively. Akora, Mobley, Wade, Osman, Lover, all these guys are going to have to be involved offensively. It, it's going to have to happen. Because if they're not involved offensively, they're not winning this series. Donovan Mitchell can't do this on his own. Can't. Mitchell shot 30 shots. 30 shots. 16 of those being from three-point line. 16 of those. I uh, shot 6 of 16 from three. That's not good. I understand it's like 35% sort of around that ballpark, but that's not good. And, you know, there's a big narrative about him forcing shots. It, it's true a little bit. You saw in the third quarter. He's going to have to stop forcing shots, get his teammates involved. Because if he's not getting his teammates involved, then I understand he had eight assists. But these guys, Garland, Mobley, they're going to have to score more if they're going to win the series. All right, let's move on to Kings Warriors. This was game of the night and probably, to be honest with you, game of the year. Uh, watching this game as a as, as a non-biased person, right? Because, yeah, I'm a Knicks fan. You, you guys don't know that by now. I'm a huge Knicks fan. So... I was watching that game, that Knicks game, a little bit more of, like, you know, with passion and, like, you know, my heart was in the game with the Knicks, right? Um, But watching the game from an outside point of view, man, that was some phenomenal offensive basketball. Um, Curry had 30 points. He looked really, really good versus the Kings. Kings, again, don't have an answer for Curry. So what did they do? They put a box and one. They tried a box and one on Steph Curry, and it worked a little bit. I'm not going to lie. 
it started off bad because he knocked out two threes, but really they they looked lost offensively. Uh, one of the things that Mike Brown, I mean, I love Mike Brown. He's a phenomenal coach. This team is playing so well. Uh, game two is going to be extremely interesting tomorrow night. But watching this game, De'Aaron Fox, they had no answer for him. They tried Clay on him, didn't work. They tried Curry on him, didn't work. DiVincenzo couldn't stay with him. I think tomorrow night they got to try Andrew Wiggins on De'Aaron Fox. They have to. They have to try it because if he's not guarded, if like they if they can't let him just go for thirty every game because he can go for thirty every game. He's that damn good. They can't let him go for thirty. They have to contain him in some capacity. Um, let's give a little quick recap. The first quarter went back and forth. Uh, it started off weird because, you know, it seemed like the Kings were extremely nervous to start the game. Uh, that crowd, man, that is one of, that has to be not one, but the best environment for a playoff basketball series. I mean, like, that crowd was incredible. I mean, incredible. And just wait till there's, like, you know, the classic Draymond moment of him being, you know, like a quote unquote dirty player. Not saying he is, but wait till there's like a physical thing with Draymond pushing Sabonis or pushing Harrison Barnes or Fox Because I don't know if you saw it. He was talking a lot of trash on that foul line to De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk late in the game. And I'm telling you this now. These teams these both both these teams are from uh, Northern California. There's gonna be a lot of trash talk in the series and it, it's just getting started and this series is gonna get real fun real quick. But let's get back to the game. First quarter, these uh, both teams couldn't really find their rhythm offensively. I, I understand that both both teams scored thirty points, but there was a lot of missed shots to start the series. Uh, start the game. Uh, they couldn't hit a lot of threes to start. Kevin Herter couldn't knock down a three pointer. He uh, he basically didn't play in the fourth quarter. He was 0-5 from three and three of twelve from the field on Saturday night. Couldn't get a shot going. Right. Usually he's been really good this season. He had a bad night tonight. But you know who stepped up? Malik Monk. Malik Monk in the second, third, and fourth quarter really took over this game. He was phenomenal. Second quarter, uh, Warriors won by six because of a fantastic quarter by Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, and Dante DiVincenzo. That bench really led them in the second quarter. They did a really good job. Then a big issue was Curry gets taken out late in that third quarter, and the Kings go on a run. They win the quarter by six in the third. And then the fourth quarter... It, it got really interesting. Uh, back and forth we go. Curry hitting a three. Thompson hitting a three. Fox answers. Monk answers. Like It was a really, really fun game. That was, honestly, by far game of the year. I thought Nick's Cavs was good. That that was another level. Um, and this series is only going to get better because they got another game in, in uh, Sacramento tomorrow. And then you got two games in Golden State uh, coming up for the Warriors and Kings in games three and four. That is going to be an intense, fun, I think, to be honest with you, seven-game series. I think it's going to go seven. Uh, Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox looked like they were back in their Kentucky days. And I'll tell you this, as a North Carolina fan, it was actually really cool to watch. Uh, I'm not going to make a Kentucky joke to uh, Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox, but, you know, one of the things in the March Madness tournament was like, when I was watching, I was like, geez, man, Malik Monk is going to be a superstar in this league. And he just never panned out that way. He never panned out. That, and I also don't think it's really his fault either. He also never got the opportunity to shine. And now you're starting to see him shine. Is he this 32-point-per-game score? But no. But he is a he's a lightning rod off the bench. Attacking the paint, can 
finish at the rim, knock down three-point shooter. Like, he's a fantastic uh, bench player for the Sacramento Kings, and he, he, he just does his job. I mean, play offense, you know, play elite offense, and play solid defense, and he'll get playing time. Davion Mitchell, yeah, a lot of things, like, with the Cavs' big issue as well, and same thing with the Kings, was, like, a lot of these guys don't have playoff experience. Like, I was wondering, like, how's De'Aaron Fox going to handle this uh, this game one? Because, you know, he's never been to the playoffs in his career. Keegan Murray's a rookie and, you know, hasn't, you know, stepped on the floor in a, in a big-time playoff series. And especially, not only just in a playoff series, you're against, like, a dynasty in the Warriors. And Keegan Murray didn't play well, but De'Aaron Fox answered the door, answered the call, and... Harrison Barnes is good. Sabona struggled, but I think a lot of it was him getting thrown off in the drop coverage they were playing. Uh, Kevon Looney, uh, Sabonis catches the ball on the uh, top of the three-point line, and he wouldn't step out and guard him. He would not step out and guard him. And I'm telling you this now. I think they need to get Sabonis more involved. I understand Fox is amazing, had 40 points, but we all know the Warriors are going to make adjustments. They're that good of a team. Fox will get shut down in one of these games, and they're going to need Sabonis to answer the call. And I think one of the ways they need to get him involved is pick and roll Fox and Sabonis, and they tried that, and it didn't really work. Uh, they need to post him up. That's one of the big things I've been talking about. They need to post up uh, DeMontis Sabonis because Kevon Looney and Draymond cannot keep him out of the post. They can't. That flash should happen underneath the basket Saturday night. They can't keep him out underneath the post. They have no chance. Uh... Trey Lyles coming off the bench, 16 points, and one of the things that's going to cost the Warriors, and we talked about this on the podcast, was that their their bench is going to make this series, in my opinion. Uh, and I'm not counting Andrew Wiggins. Gary Payton played very well. Jordan Poole played very well. Kaminga, when he was in, I thought provided great minutes. Uh, DiVincenzo was solid, not bad. Clay was off, but he will 100% bounce back. They had really good performances, to be honest with you, from all these guys. And the Warriors bench is what's going to make this series uh, make or break for them. They played really well, and they still lost. So I think a lot of stuff is just, like, knocking down shots, right? And that that environment, I, I'm going to be honest with you, they've been in finals environments. I don't think I've ever seen an environment like that, like Sacramento. Remember, I, I mean, I was born 2005-ish. Like, you know, we haven't seen the Kings in the playoffs, like... Like, us us as, like, teenagers, like, we've never seen the Kings in the playoffs before. And we have never seen what their crowd actually looks like live in person. Holy my God. I mean, they were loud as can be. They had Mark Jones on the commentary. And he's one of the best commentators in the game. Doris Berker was a great color commentary. I mean, <coughs> I'm still having this call from the spring with the pollen and stuff. Because I'm allergic to pollen. But, man, the Kings, like, they are... They're they're a good team, for a team that's you know like with no playoff experience. They answered the bell tonight, and I was re- or yesterday. I was really impressed with them. Um, one thing on the Warriors, the boxing one, I'd like to see how they answer that uh, because Curry played very well, and he he was hitting like out of out of his world shots. Like it was incredible. These three pointers he was hitting, it was incredible. Uh, and Clay, he's going to have to hit those three-pointers if they're going to win the series. And I just want to touch one more thing on Sacramento. We'll move on to the Laker game. And now that's something we'll talk about in a little bit, the Laker game, which after, I just want to mention one thing about the Kings. Uh, their bench is, like, incredible. And I, and I touched on this earlier. Like, they just plug and play, guys. Malik Monk just comes in and drops 32 points. No big deal, right? Um, 
Davion Mitchell walks in and just starts clamping up defenders. Like, you know, he their plus minus is really good. Like, all the guys coming off the bench were a plus. Plus 10, plus 4, plus 10, plus 7. I mean, all these guys were a plus. And one of the things, I'm going to tell you this now, uh, I'm a huge Jordan Poole fan. I love his offensive game. But, man, he plays no defense. None. None whatsoever. And he's going to be a problem because there will be games like tonight where he has 17 points and you would like to have him out there on the floor. But... Unfortunately, he can't because he plays no defense, and he's not good enough to play over guys like Curry or Clay. And you know, you got to keep Draymond on him for some defense, right? And it, it's tough because he's he's scoring seventeen points, but he just doesn't play any defense. He's got to play defense. So that's one of the things I just want to touch on. And then, okay, let's move on to our final game, and which I thought was a phenomenal game. And as I'm recording this, the Heat are actually beating the Bucks by twelve. So. Yeah, maybe we get a potential game one upset, and we'll talk about that in the next podcast, most likely Heat Bucks, and we'll see if it's still a series by then. But let's talk Lakers Grizzlies. Um, LeBron, I want I want to start off talking about LeBron. Um, one of the, I'm a huge LeBron fan, so the, I'm not like a LeBron hater, but he's like extremely frustrating to watch this year. And I said this on the podcast earlier, and it's some of the people you know, the guys who've been closely attention closely paying attention to the Lakers this entire season know what I'm talking about as in like he just there's moments where he just could care less of what he's doing on the basketball floor and you know Miami LeBron or baby Bron in Cleveland wouldn't do this a Miami you know LeBron wouldn't do this the second rodeo in Cleveland he wouldn't do this and you know that 2020 season LeBron wouldn't do this either like there's just moments where he just like it's like what are you doing like I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. Like, there was a moment in the third quarter where he makes a sick block on Desmond Bain. Sick block. And, you know, before that, like, the play right before that, he literally throws the ball to Xavier Tillman. And he's, like, you know, he's guarding him, right? Like, he's at the top of the key. Xavier Tillman's guarding him. And he just throws it to him. No joke. Throws it to him. And it's like he, he throws like he's not even there. Then Bain gets the ball, goes down for a layup, and LeBron sends this thing off the backboard or, like, got a piece of it. Then he gets his own rebound. He's going to throw this thing all the way down the uh, down the court to AD for a home run pass. And Ja just steps out of nowhere and picks off the ball. And it was like two turnovers in like back-to-back moments. Like LeBron had five turnovers. Like he was really sloppy today. And the thing I talked about with him was like there was moments where he just doesn't care defensively to close out on a shooter. Just like little things. Uh, and there was a perfect example. The second quarter, Luke Kennard gets a wide open look from three and could care could care less about Luke Kennard, who is their best three-point shooter by far, and probably the best three-point shooter in the series, just could care less that he's in the corner wide open for three. Ah, ah, shoot it. Makes, like, drills it completely, swishes it. Uh, But back to the game. First quarter, LeBron, I thought, was playing very well. LeBron had a good game, right? Not a great game, but a good game. 50% from the field, almost 50% from three. Uh, you know, like, he had a solid game, setting up teammates, playing great defense. That was the one thing I was really impressed with him, is that he was playing, a, like, high-level defense. Blocking shots, playing great perimeter defense. I really liked how he played all around. Um, but, you know, the big thing here, to me, was Anthony Davis in this first first half, really, before he got hurt, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, AD dominated that first quarter, and the thing we talked about here on the podcast was that the Grizzlies have no answer for Anthony Davis. They have zero answer for him. Uh, they can throw Jared Jackson at him, who's 
potentially defense player of the year. He had 31 points today. He was really good. Um, they could throw Xavier Tillman at him. They could throw Roddy at him. They can throw Aldama at him. They could throw David Roddy at him. It doesn't matter. He's going to get his, and there's nothing you can do about it, and you can't stop him. Uh, Anthony Davis would have 30 points to me, in my opinion, if he would have finished out that second quarter. He would have had 30 points in this game. No, like, no doubt. Um, they, I thought they played a, a pretty bad second quarter. Um, a lot of sloppy stuff from LeBron offensively. 80s unit was okay. They do the whole split up 80 and LeBron thing. Like when they go to the bench and stuff, obviously it's extremely smart. But, you know, the third quarter is where the Lakers took over. Lakers took over in that third quarter, and, you know, LeBron checks in late in the third quarter, and I say, I, I, I'm watching the game with my buddy, and I was like, you know, th- this is really what's going to decide the game here. Um, if LeBron's. If LeBron's unit doesn't bl- like blow the lead here, they're gonna win this game. And it was like that, and you're like, and you're like, well, he was like, well, how do you know that? How do you know they're gonna keep this lead? Jaws coming back in the fourth quarter. They're gonna have this whole starting unit, and I was just like, dude, like LeBron AD, like they can't stop, they can't stop either of them. To be honest with you, Le- Le- when LeBron was going downhill, they couldn't stop him tonight. Uh, Roy Hachimura, they couldn't guard him. Uh, down the stretch when. Austin Reeves tried to get more aggressive. They couldn't guard him. D'Lo played a solid game. I mean, I I was watching that game, and I was saying to myself, Lakers are the complete better team right now. Uh, Anthony Davis is defending the rim, and I think they're going to pull away here in this third quarter because uh, LeBron, you know, he's like, LeBron's like the, the key factor. Lakers had this game, and they played a, a bad second quarter, and that was the big thing. They played a really bad second quarter, and it was at the end of the second quarter. But outside of that, they dominated this game, I thought, to be completely honest with you. And the scoreboard shows that. But they had a, they really, to be honest with you, just had a, a terrible end to that second quarter. Terrible end. If they didn't have that, you take that like two, three-minute stretch out of that game, Lakers win this game by easy, comfortable 15, 20 points. Uh, third quarter was great, and the fourth quarter, Austin Reeves couldn't stop them. Uh, Hachimura and Reeves really won this game for the Lakers. LeBron AD, AD played great. Their plus minus was great. They both they both played very well. But who won them this game was Austin Reeves and Roy Hachimura. Coming off the bench, uh, Hachimura has been known to me as a guy who's always had like very high potential offensive skill, and you know has never just implemented it in the game. Right, like Attic and Zaga was really high on him. He was really good coming out of college. And one of my big issues with him was, like, he just doesn't defend. And today, he defended. He defended, and he got rewarded extra playing time. In the fourth quarter, Darvin Ham actually took out LeBron when, uh, like, when LeBron came to the bench. Like, he came to the bench. Like, Hachimura came in, and he's still cooking. Second half was really when Hachimura turned up, and they couldn't guard him. And that's what led to his 29 points. With Hachimura, like, he had eight first-half points. If he ended the game with 16 points, like, that's a great game for him. And that's going to win them games. But his 29 on top, man, like, that's just that's just extra stuff, right? Um, I want to talk about the entire bench. So, one of the things that was driving me crazy about the Lakers, and we'll get to the Grizzlies and what I thought of them in a second, was, like, when John Morant would get the high pick-and-roll, and everybody knows what I'm talking about, when John dribbles the ball up, and he receives that high pick and roll action from whether it's Tillman or Jaron Jackson. Sometimes they set they put Desmond Bain on him, or they put Desmond Bain or Dylan Brooks as the screener. John Morant's going downhill to dunk the ball, right? 
We all know that. Or he's going to go in the lane and put up a floater. They kept going over the screen. What are you doing? If Jaw's going to shoot... Okay, if Jaw's going to shoot like three of five from three, okay, let him have it. Or four of five from three, let him have it. But don't let him just get a free run at your big man and let him make a great play because he, he's capable of making high-level plays and getting to the rim with ease. And that's what they were doing, and that's what killed him in the second quarter was that you know they would set the high pick and roll at the top of the key and Dennis Schroeder or Vanderbilt would be chasing him. Especially a guy like Vanderbilt should not be chasing him. Especially with his length, he should be going underneath that screen because he could potentially block his shot underneath the screen with the three-pointer. And look, we all know Ja, his big flaw, and it's not a serious flaw, but if there's one big flaw about Ja is that he can't shoot the three that consistently. He can shoot it if he's spot up. But, you know, he's not like catch it, you know, turn and shoot, right? Like he's not like catching off the three-point line on the run and shooting it like he's not like a ridiculous three-point shooter he like he has to be set to knock down a three-point shot right um it's a set shot for him uh and they were driving me crazy because in the first half like they're going on they're going over the top and they're chasing him and he's getting a free run downhill and he's making plays to teammates passing out to corners or just taking it to the rim and i'm like dude what are you doing uh but second half they changed it they uh fourth quarter they started going underneath the screen jaw hit a few shots jaw did make a few plays but really it was a big game changer because when they were going underneath that screen uh they really didn't have much because they would reset it and then they would kick it out and they were getting uh late into the shot clock and then obviously you know if guy makes a play guy makes a play like that that's gonna happen it's basketball uh but i want to talk about the grizzlies uh it's gonna be a long series for them because we just got news that like john morant like hurt his hand and if you watch the video of him trying to go over the top on Anthony Davis, it looks pretty bad. And to be honest with you, I don't play him game two. I'm going to be completely honest with you. That hand injury looks extremely painful and looks really bad for an injury. Um, he So what happened was it was late in the fourth, or was like in the fourth quarter, and he went up to go over the top on Anthony Davis, just like he does to everybody. Tries to go up over the top and try to you know dunk it on Anthony Davis, and Davis stepped in, drew a charge, and as he went down to the ground, he put his hand out, and it got caught underneath Davis, I'm pretty sure. That's what it looked like from the replay. And they're not completely, like, caught underneath his hand, like it's, like, trapped or anything, but he put his hand down, and Anthony Davis' back was near, and when he went down, it just, like, bent, and it looked really bad. And it looks like he's his status is in jeopardy for Game 2, as they say, but to be honest with you, I don't see him playing, like... That is a that looked really really bad, and I don't know what the diagnosis on him was, but it sounded like the diagnosis on him was negative. And I'm telling you this now, you can't you can't force him. Um, he said that his pain level feels like a ten, and that's I mean I'm telling you this now, like that hand injury looked extre- like extremely painful, and they can't win this series without John Moran. It's the same thing that happened in the Warrior series. He went down with an injury, and you know, he was out for the rest of the series, and they just never stood a chance. If he's out for the series, Lakers got the series in five games. I truly believe that. But if he does come back, which I th- I don't really know, to be honest with you. Um, but Jaron Jackson, I want to move on from that. Jaron Jackson was, I thought, really good in this game. Great defensively on the perimeter. He actually didn't get himself into foul trouble, which was extremely surprising, because most games he gets himself into serious foul trouble, and... 
yeah, that leads to the Grizzlies' downfall defensively in the interior. But he held his own, played great defense, and didn't get himself in foul trouble, which I was really surprised about. Uh, he played a very good game. I understand he couldn't guard Anthony Davis, but Anthony Davis is so much bigger than him. Like, couldn't guard him. It's okay. He had 31 points. Like, that should have been fine. Uh, Tillman, he's kind of like a non-existent factor, and I really don't know what they're going to do, because once Anthony Davis comes off the floor, they got to play small and play fast, because they got to get up and down the floor, and they really need to tackle LeBron. And I understand he had three blocks in this game, but he just there's just moments, and I've said this, where he just could care less about playing defense. That's a big problem. Um, Dylan Brooks, again, he's a good defender, but his biggest issue, like, and the reason why this, like, the Grizzlies have a ceiling over their head in terms of championship aspirations is because of him. I'm sorry. Um, he's a great trash talker. He's a great defender. Don't get me wrong. He's a good defender. Don't get me wrong. But my big thing here with the Grizzlies, like, holding them back from a title is that they need another score. Another score. Uh, Brooks is, Brooks is a good defender. But shooting 5 of 13 from the field is okay by his standards. But shooting 2 of 9 from 3 cannot happen. That can't happen. You have to shoot better from the three-point line. If you're going to shoot 9 threes, you have to make, to be honest with you, 3 or 4 of those. You have to. Those are game Those are game changers. If you can hit those three-pointers, you can make this a series. You can absolutely make this a series. But with him not making those three-pointers, they're in trouble. Uh, Tyus Jones was meh. Okay, 25 minutes, uh, and he played okay. Uh, my big thing with the Grizzlies is that, you know, honestly, I, I just don't know how they're going to win the series. I'm going to be honest with you. I had the Lakers in six, maybe Lakers in seven. I don't know. I Like, I I like my prediction was Lakers in six, and I still stand by that, and I might honestly think Lakers in five after this because if Jaws out, they're in trouble. They're in trouble. Uh, they lost this game in the second half. They couldn't contain... Hachimura or Reeves. Russell was getting great looks from the three-point line. I'm going to say this now. Lakers can still obviously lose the series because AD gets hurt every four minutes, and LeBron, you know, there's moments where he just doesn't attack the rim offensively, and it drives me nuts. If he attacks the rim, there's nobody, maybe besides Jaron Jackson Jr., who can contest his shot. Take it right at Dylan Brooks's chest and go up strong. And there were times where he did that and he got and ones. He got two and one opportunities because he went up strong. He has to attack the rim with a purpose. Uh, that's my big takeaway at the Lakers. If there's one thing, is that you can't chase over the screen with Jaws the ball, and can't chase over the screen in general because if Desmond, it's, if it's Desmond Bain, he'll shoot the three ball. So can't chase over that screen. Uh, and then. For the, for the Grizzlies, to be honest with you, they got to hit shots. Uh, 47% from the field is good. Don't get me wrong. But they got to be shooting 40% from three. Especially if Jaws out, they got to knock down three-point shots. Shooting three of ten can't happen. Shooting two of nine can't happen. They have to knock down three-point shots. That That's my big takeaway from this. Game two will be extremely interesting because that game's on Wednesday. Um, I'm really looking forward to these next few games because... Some of these series, like, they're going to be extremely fun. This, the three we talked about today, like, th- those are going to be fun playoff series. So, that that's my re- that's my uh, reaction to Lakers-Grizzlies. So, that will do today's episode of the Shy Sports Talk podcast. Uh, make sure you uh, share this podcast with your friends. Make sure you guys get, make listen to the podcast. It all helps the Shy Sports Talk podcast. Uh, make sure you follow the Twitter. Uh, the Twitter is where I'll be putting out stuff and, you know, talking about the games and stuff. So, make sure you uh, guys are on there. That will do 
That will do it for today's episode of the Shag Sports Talk Podcast. The Shag Sports Talk Podcast is out.